Hello there, this is Wale Olulano, the presiding apostle of Harmony Christian Ministries. I'm happy that you can join us today in our podcast. I pray today's message will encourage, edify, and illuminate your heart, wherever your circumstances may be. Please relax and enjoy. Mark chapter 2. The Bible said from verse 1, it says, And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together, so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. He preached the word to them. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And they could not come near to him because of the crowd. So they uncovered the roof where he was. So then, so when they had broken through, somebody will break through. The case you are bringing to Jesus will get before his presence in Jesus' name. He said they laid down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, uh, when he saw their faith, amen, may Christ see your faith. It wasn't the tears that moved him, it was their faith. So he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. Amen. This morning, I want to borrow a title that I ministered uh, some 24 years ago. The forgotten stretcher bearers. Anytime you talk about mission, we mentioned commission, you talk about the great commission. Most of the time, we think straight away about the last words that Jesus Christ gave to his disciples. But that was not where he started from. As a matter of fact, the commission started right from the Father himself. From the Old Testament, the harvest of the world has been on the heart of the Father. And he's been on it and he's been doing it right from the get-go. The Bible tells us in Psalm 19, 1 to 3, he says, The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork day unto day utter speech. Night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. In other words, every single day you wake up, every single language on the earth that is spoken, somewhere God is declaring his glory in that place. As a matter of fact, Paul, the apostle, he came in in Acts chapter 14 and he said something in verse 17. He said, nevertheless, he did not leave himself without witness. He was speaking about the people who were trying to reach the unknown God. He said, but God hasn't left himself without witness at any time. He said in that he did good, he gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Later on, we find out in, Act, in Romans chapter 1 verse 20, the Bible tells us that for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Since what time? Since the creation of the world. God's invincible attributes. You know, many of us here know that you travel to some places when you go on holidays, you go to some remote places, and you cannot but just 
marvel at the creation of God. You go to someplace and say, God, how did you create this? Or you watch some, some of these things in geographical uh, channels. You see some of those natural things. You see some animals that you have never imagined before. You see the way animals behave when, when somebody just, you just watch a documentary on how they live. And you think, how can animals think like this? God has not left himself without a witness in any time. For man to begin to wonder, clearly there must be somebody behind something. If it was a bang, what created the bang? So the Bible says, the reason why God does this is so they are without excuse. The Jewish people, when God called them out by grace, he continued to tell them that he picked you by grace so that the world will know what I can do for the people that I love. I have picked you, have chosen you as an example of my power. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 9 verse 16, he said, but indeed for this purpose I have raised you that I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared on all the earth. This is God speaking about the Jewish nation. In Psalm 24 verse 1, God says, the earth is the Lord's. Everywhere you see on the face of this earth, even in countries that you think they are idolatry countries, you think countries that they don't know God, it's the Lord. God didn't just say only the peace of the earth. He said, and everything and everyone that dwell there. And if you want to now move into Jesus Christ's ministry, throughout the ministry of Jesus Christ, he continued to show his disciples and he continued to minister for them to understand that my ministry, my assignment is not just to you. He continued to show them if they care to listen that there is a plan I have for the whole world. Isn't that the Bible says in John chapter 3 when he says it to us in the favorite scriptures we all know the Bible says that for God I thought you were going to help me out. So love the church the world. He so loved the world. For you to understand that his investment was not just to the church. It was not just to the Jewish nation. It's to the world. In Luke chapter 13 verse 29. The Bible says. They will come from the east. From the west. From the north. And from the south. And sit in the kingdom. This is Jesus Christ speaking. He said people will come from all over. The whole idea is that this gospel, they will come and sit down and they will gather together. I love the way he put it in John chapter 10 verse 16. He says, and all the sheep I have which are not of this fold. And now when you think about that, it means that are other folds. He was not talking about a denomination. All the sheep I have that are not of what? I know I'm dealing with some religious thought in some of us. But this is the kingdom. The message of the kingdom will help to liberate you. All the sheep, he called them sheep. He didn't call them goats. <laughs> That's why there will be surprises in heaven. 
the sheep I have, they are not of this fold. Now, what is he saying about them? He said, I'm bringing them in too. Watch what he's saying here. None of this fold. They also I must bring. And they will hear my voice. So right now, they are hearing some kind of voice. But, they are my sheep. Have you seen some people you call not Christians? And their lifestyle convicts you. No, you haven't seen them. I am more weary of some brothers than some Muslim brothers. Do you understand this? So Christ called them sheep, but you call them goats. I thought the whole idea of goat is somebody who is stubborn who is who doesn't take the instructions. Right? Somebody just follows their own mind. Now that's what fills the church most times. And Christ said, I'm going to bring those folks in. They are not of this fold. I'm bringing them in. He said, I love this. He said, there will be one flock and one shepherd. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ went further. So this is where you're going to see that the problem we have in the church today, we have always had it with the disciples of Jesus Christ. Because he tried to get them to say, but they didn't say it. All they knew was, those who are with us, those who are with us. He told them several stories, several parables. As a matter of fact, he made heroes of Samaritans. He made heroes of people who are not with them. Do you know the story of the good Samaritan? And what he was saying in that story is, everybody who, you are, who is supposed to know it, they all flunked. The pastor failed. The bishop failed. <laughs> the choir leader failed. Everybody failed. But here comes this bloke. He's a Samaritan. And he's the one that got the job done. I have seen Muslims that give more for the purpose of the kingdom. There are many spirit-filled brothers or sisters or people. I see many people who know about how to relate, how to do business, how to be honest, how to love their family. There are many people who are spirit-filled. I see many people who are God-fearing. See, this is where the understanding of grace comes in. So I don't go ahead of myself. So when it comes to missions, it comes with a hidden and an unsung heroes, but with visible, visible conscious sacrifices. I'm going to repeat that. When we speak about missions, uh, you know today's our mission service, right? When it comes to missions, it comes with understanding that are hidden and unsung heroes but with visible, conscious sacrifices. You cannot talk about missions without sacrifices. We can talk about Jireh, Jehovah Jireh. We can talk about that because it came with a conscious sacrifice. When Abraham got that revelation, in fact, he refused to tell his wife what he was going to give. God asked him for a sacrifice. 
he was not sleepwalking. And God made it clear what he was asking him to give. And God told him, I'm not asking you for the one that can't even get you any stuff. I'm asking you for the one you treasure. Your son whom you love, I'm asking you for it. And he did it in a very quiet way. He sneaked out of the house. <laughs> you are taking my picture. Take me when I'm smiling. It was T.L. Osborne that did that for me. <laughs> I thought the man was in the spirit. He said, no, when I'm taking my picture, he says. <laughs> and guess what? He didn't stop the Holy Ghost. Some of us are not photogenic. We have to be got, we have to be taken at the right time. Some of you they can take you where you are sleeping, you still look fine. Okay. So you find out that for you to walk in the spirit of mission, you have to understand that it comes with a conscious sacrifice. The father sent the son consciously. Jesus Christ was not born as a mystic. Neither did he go to the cross by error. In fact, he erased prayer chain. He called all the elders of the church, guys, pray for me so that we can shift this thing. No, he didn't, didn't, he didn't shift. At the end of the day, angels encouraged him, sir, bro, you need to go. <laughs> it's time now. <laughs> it's time you need to go. The cross is waiting. And he died consciously. Every time you really, really want to operate in the spirit of what God called you to do, my friend. It's a conscious thing. You will know where you buried your seed. You will know. You will know what you gave. This week, as a church, we gave some money for missions. And we knew it. In fact, Reverend C was saying to me that he and his twin brother were saying, hey, Pastor Wally has done this during COVID. I'm sure he has emptied his, I said, by God's sake, we didn't empty our savings. But we are feeling it. <laughs> I said, hey, we're, 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 we're feeling it. I said, but we know, he said, by the time this thing will come back to your people, the time it will hit them. I was speaking to me from Switzerland last night. I said, I receive it. I said, you know why we have to do this? We have a big project ahead of us. And it's only Jehovah Jared that can do it. I told him that's why we're doing it. Only God can do, can shift some things for you. Amen. The Bible tells us it has to be by conscious sacrifice. See friends, our generosity towards others engenders divine generosity towards us. Our generosity towards others engenders divine generosity towards us. You don't know where God is going to bring it back to your life. You don't know. In Proverbs chapter 11 verse 25, the Bible says the general soul will be made rich. Some other translations say it will be made fat. I love that word. It says, and he who waters shall be watered himself. 
Proverbs 11 verse 30, the Bible says the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is wise. And talking about a conscious sacrifice, the psalmist put it better. In Psalm 126 verse 6, he says, he who continuously goeth forth. Please give me that thing in, in King James. New King James is not doing it. He's not paying the sacrifice this morning. 126 years. I love this. He said, he who goeth forth weepeth. That tells you continuous weeping. Bearing precious seed. He's weeping and he has precious seed. It's not a seed he wants to just forget somewhere. He said, he shall doubtless. Somebody said doubtless. You will doubtless reap in Jesus' name. He said, you will doubtless come again rejoicing bringing his sheep with him. He will go forth. When it comes to mission, it's about a conscious effort to go. We all can sit comfortably and, and use the money to do all that kind of stuff for ourselves. We can go on extra holidays. We can do that. But I've seen people in this past few weeks sowing deliberate seed, heavy seed, because souls must be saved. So the test before us this morning. It's an interesting one in Mark chapter 2 that we read. It opens with Jesus Christ entering again. And you know when you see again it means something happened before that time. Because in chapter 1 when he came into Capernaum. That was some serious commotion. He taught them as one with authority the Bible says. It taught them so much that the leaders in the house, the, the doctors of law, they were all checking and said, oh, wow, this guy didn't go to a seminary, but he's blown us apart. He didn't even dress like one of us. He's the son of a carpenter for crying out loud. And where did he get all this revelation from? Look at the signs and wonders in his ministry. We haven't got it over here. I was healing, there were things going on. Commotion. And then in that occasion, he left, came straight into Simon Peter's house. And the people gathered again to him until he escaped. And they, you know, so now the Bible says in chapter 2, he came in again into Capernaum. It's after the first trip. And news had gone around that you guys back to town. Good news has come. So the people gathered together. May people gather to you for good news. They didn't even wait for him to go to the, to the temple as usual. So this time around, they didn't wait for him in the temple. They came to corner him in his house. They filled the whole house and so much there was no space. But you will think it's a good thing for people to gather. We just said more people should gather. People should stop, you know, just staying off. But what happened here is that they didn't gather all for the same reason. There are some gathering that are actually against the agenda and an obstruction to God's agenda. Some of the people that gathered here didn't gather for the right reason. Some of them gathered to make him to stumble in his words. Some of them gathered for some ulterior purposes. To find errors. To find things to write against him. To actually 
So that they can discredit him before the people are, because the crowd now is following him, not following them anymore. Another poor thing here is some of them really gathered to learn, but they gathered so much that they were insensitive to the need of other people that need to be saved. So they gathered and they didn't care who was a visitor, who was a guest. They gathered, they didn't really care who had a seat. They were conscious of the fact that I just want to get in there first, be fed. But they didn't look around for who can I bless? Who probably can need my seat? Who can I give my seat for? They gather so much that they just want to be in there and they didn't think about what's going on out there. See, while they were gathering and they were comfortable on the inside, there were people on the outside, a long queue of folks outside who had no chance of ever getting in. So this is exactly what happened in this place where they all gathered together. And that's why Jesus Christ had problems with some of the folks who were there. He said in Luke, Luke chapter 11 verse 52, he says, Woe to you lawyers, with the exception of lawyers who are members of our church. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you have also hindered those who will enter. They have gathered not to receive knowledge, not to change their lifestyle. And they have hindered those who actually truly want to change. That was a problem there. That was a problem. Sometimes people gather and they are more concerned about the usher didn't give me the right seat. They're more concerned about the father. How come they asked me to sit at the back? How come they asked me to sit in the middle? Throughout the meeting, I've been to a meeting that this is this usually happened to men of God, not some of us. You know? They didn't know who I was when I got there. They sat me with the people at the back. And those people throughout the service would keep on looking around. Who is that one? Who is sitting in the front? They are not even listening to the message. They were concerned about where the Pharisees are seated. More than the fact that the master is teaching. So this hinders the focus, the agenda of God. A few things, well, while this was going on, there were four folks outside. These forgotten stretcher bearers. I want to look at them this morning. A few things we don't know about them. Number one, we don't even know their names or their ages. We don't. Now many of us get worked up because our names were not mentioned in meetings. Like I just mentioned, you know, Apostle Simon George's name. Imagine I just say, oh, um, you know, if we are here for the first time or we haven't seen you for the last three years and you just sneaked into the back and you are sneaking with a long beard. You know, something like that. Something like that. You just, you know, just didn't mention your name. People just get upset because I was in that group. I was not mentioned. We don't know their name or their ages. Number two, we don't know their financial capabilities. Oh, I would have done things like that if I actually had some money too. I was speaking to a cousin of mine yesterday and was saying, you know, Pastor, I really understand it. I would like to go to missions, you know. This guy is an architect of many, many years, top level. And I told him, listen to me, God's work is never done when you are ready. It's never done because now I have some extra money. And if you're going to fool yourself, you will fool yourself, but you can't fool me. None body in United Kingdom has ever had opportunity to save like in the last 12 months. So while you are doing all your extension in your house, I was telling him, remember God wants to extend his own kingdom too. 
their financial capabilities. Yet, they, and they, they, are, they what these guys did, they actually stretched the imagination of folks who can win souls. Every time what you give to God is always out of your surplus. You really have not understood why you were saved. Because he didn't save you out of nothing else to do. We don't know how long they've been in faith. These guys. We don't know. Whether they are new members of the group. We don't know whether they are... We don't know. We have no idea whether they are listed among the 70s. Or we know they are not part of the 12. Another thing we don't know about them. We don't know their relationship with the paralytic man. Are they cousins? Are they family members? Some of us want to say that, well, I don't know who to bring. I don't have any friends. Perhaps if I know somebody, if I know people, maybe I can bring them. No, we don't know. We don't know how they are related or not. Another thing we don't know about them, we don't know their relationship with the owner of the house. The house they went to redecorate <laughs> to remodel <laughs> we don't know whether okay oh it's because it's their cousin's house that's why they can remove the roof we don't know and one thing you got to understand is when you are really consumed with a passion for, to save souls is the soul you are looking after first before you come and say sorry to whoever you have stepped upon that is exactly what happens May I say this for people who get upset with ushers and all that. When people are serving in church, sometimes you get so wrapped into the work that people are, they get home sometimes, oh my God, I didn't even say sorry to that sister. It wasn't done on purpose. That's the truth. We don't know their relationship with the owner of the house. And yet they went to the roof and removed it. Do you know something? It does not matter what men don't know about you. What matters really is what God knows about you. What we know is that God's purpose for our life is that we must be fruitful. God created you that you'll be fruitful, that you'll bear fruit. That's why he created you. So you need to ask yourself, is my fruit abiding? Am I bearing fruit? Am I making any impact? As powerful as Jesus Christ himself is and was while he was on earth, he was not powerful enough to go and gather and pick this man up from his house and bring him into the meeting. Did you notice that? Very powerful healer. But he was not powerful enough to go and bring the man to the meeting. Friends, there are so many people that God is counting you on to bring into this meeting. Back to this house. There are many people God is expecting you to help them to break the idea that church has, you know, become the only thing that you just take, you take online. You do not need to give. You do not need to serve. Listen, there is never a time, COVID or post-COVID or anti-COVID or new COVID, the God will change the concept of Christianity is about sacrifice. It's never going to change. It's about winning souls. It's about going out. It's about stretching. 
Never going to be a time that Christianity is about, I get out of my bed, I just sit in my bed, I listen to the word, I switch from here, I switch from there, and I've done Christian. I've done the kingdom. No. It was a season like that, but just like the season changes, the time the clock just changed, that clock has changed. There are things that have changed quite right about church, but never, never will there be a time that we don't have to give, to stretch out, to move. Never going to be a time that we're going to think, oh, Christianity is ice cream. The Bible said the kingdom is not about food and drink. Amen. That's the reality of mission that we are called to. Mission is not what we do once in a year. It's a life of mission. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 14. He said, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they were sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings. You see, you have to bring it. You have to bring it. You really don't know what I'm saying until you are consistently bringing good news to somebody. Seriously. And you need to try it. Be a person that when you enter that house to come to tell them about Jesus Christ or to come and reflect Jesus Christ in their lives. Or you bring some kind of hope to them in that situation. And then you bring them to be part of a church. You don't, you don't have that feeling until you've done it. The nearest you could have is maybe you buy a Christmas gift for somebody. Something they were not expecting. And you saw their face. That's the nearest. But that's not even close. Because that gift, they will use it and pass it on to somebody else. Or lose it or something. But there's something that they can never lose. Eternity. Their service here on earth is recorded in heaven. So I think about a man called Elijah the Tishbite. So God called him out. And he spoke a very powerful prophecy. Shut down the rain. You remember we spoke about him for weeks. The last few weeks now. And then a point came that he went and he had this confrontation, this combat with the prophets of Baal and he thought well with this kind of showdown everybody surely must accept Jesus Christ must know that God is God but then there came a woman who sent a text tell him that his head is off so this guy, at this point, he was hoping this is the point where I need brothers. This is where I need prayer support. Do you understand? After all, they have seen what the power of God can do. There was not a soul. They have seen the power of God, but guess what? Everybody is on his own. No? Because they all knew Jezebel. So he felt, ah, these people are wicked. Upon all that God has done, nobody is standing with him. He called for a prayer meeting. He was the only one on Zoom. 
So Elijah made up his mind. This is it. I'm running away. He said, God, uh, it's not worth me living. I can just go like my, I'm not better than any of my. So God now said, Elijah, just for your information, there are 7,000 saints who have not bowed down to Baal. You know, when he had that, you will think he will be happy. Because really, I wasn't happy. Because it simply means to me that there are 7,000 souls who are part of this church I don't see. I don't see them on prayer line. I don't see them joining with anything. But there are 7,000 members. So let me tell you five things about them first. These 7,000 people, they were regarded as silent saints. Question, are you a silent saint? Are you a silent saint? There was a time all of us were not visible here and you know, you know, we were getting the word and I was preaching to you and you were not silent because I was seeing your amen, your amen and all your comments were coming through and we were all giving. But there were people who were silent. Are you a silent saint? And sometimes when I call some people, oh, sis, I've not heard from you. say, oh, pastor, I'm still here. I'm with you. Huh? Silent saint. Elijah is about to commit suicide because you are silent. They had not bowed to Baal, but neither are they a threat to the devil. That's my question. Are you a threat to the devil? We know that you are not backsliding, but which side are you? Number three, very little is said about them even by God. Do you know these 7,000 people never were mentioned in any other place after, after this scripture? Nothing was said about them. Number four, they knew to do good, but they didn't do anything. The Bible tells us that is sin. Last one I want to say quickly, they knew nothing about each other's existence. 7,000 saints. That's why the prophet wanted to commit suicide. So God told him, there are 7,000 saints. Don't think you are the only one. Those ones are just silent. They are operating social distances. <laughs> they experienced the COVID before COVID was birth. So all of them were at home. Seriously. This is a problem here. When mission was mentioned, they went silent. I compare these 7,000 people to the people who filled the room. Some of the people who filled the room where Jesus Christ was ministering that day. They were not really adding to the ministry of Jesus. They were just present and blocking the road. But then, these forgotten four stretcher bearers, what do we want to say about them? As I said, nothing much was said about them. But we thank God for the Holy Spirit that revealed quite a lot about them. I found out that many people that God used in the Bible for great and awesome things. Sometimes we don't even know their names. Sometimes we don't know much about them. Did you notice the first time that the list was presented to promote somebody in the house of David? His name was not even listed. He wasn't shortlisted. Sometimes you may not be shortlisted for something, but God has already called you by name. He chose you. He anointed you. He has proposed this where you're going to get to. That's what he's going to use you for. So don't worry yourself. Even if they don't mention your name, just keep on working. That little boy, 
that brought his lunch pack, the loaves and two fishes, the Bible said, look at what happened. He fed 5,000 with it, but we don't know his name. Yet, what he did really, really bailed out Jesus Christ's ministry that day. He could pray the Father to feed the cloud, but he still needs something as a counterpoint. Jesus Christ does not perform magic. He performs miracle. A miracle is a multiplication of something that is in your hand. Not something from the air. Abracadabra! The ball is flying. No! Ten things about these people. Which you know, but you didn't say it. Number one. They were burdened about a sick friend. Or a lost soul. They were burdened. Are you burdened about somebody you have not seen for a long time? Are you burdened about a marriage that is going wrong? Are you burdened about a friend that business is going down? These folks were burdened about a sick friend. This is what you and I should do. Carry that burden to Jesus and then minister this burden, the answer of it to them. Number two, they trusted that Jesus Christ will do something about their friend's situation. Sometimes some of us know things about people, but all we do about it is we talk about it. We write about it, we like on Facebook. We Snapchat it. But we don't actually believe in the faith, we don't act out the faith that we have on those situations. They believe that if this case can get to Jesus, something will be done. And I want you to be that kind of person, that kind of missionary. That's who you are. Remember, you don't need to travel to Africa to be a missionary. We have mission ground here. So you see, because you know these things, you help somebody to continue to remain faithful. You don't become a person that discourages them in serving. There are some experts that say, are you still working in that department? Me, I've left the place. I can't take what he's doing. I can't take what she's doing. Okay, if you left the place, to where? Where are you doing your own service now? No, I'm not doing anything. I'm praying for God to show me. God does not withdraw from employment to unemployment. From productivity to nothing. He doesn't. Teachers that are blind locked the door, didn't enter, didn't allow other people to enter it. You have to be careful who you follow. What else do we know about these people? We knew that they acted on their faith as they came to Jesus. You need to act on your faith. Act on your faith. Number four, they were resourceful and courageous. They were resourceful. And courageous. These four stretcher bearers. It has to take courage, my friends. For you to get to a place and say, okay, we can't get through the crowd. Now, now what do we do? And then they did some maths. We can go this way. There is a gate there. We can't do that one. Okay, what do we do? They started thinking. If you turn up in your team meeting and the door is shut, or the leader is not there. It doesn't mean cancel the meeting for that day. Think about something you have to do. One of the places by which we are so resourceful, we have to find the solution is mission ground. 
We have traveled 10 hours, 12 hours away from base. We can't go back empty-handed. We have to improvise. That happens a lot. That's where you find out that there is some things inside you that you didn't know existed. Because you are a doctor, you are trained in the best university. You now have to operate in the village. You don't say, oh, I can't do this because of the kind of tools. No, you have to think about what they have locally. Am I making sense here? That's what I'm talking about. These men, they were resourceful and they were courageous. Number five, they were goal getters and not quitters. They said, our target is to get to Jesus. We are not quitting. You know, we said to ourselves that a minimum we're going to have to invest and we have not even exceeded it when we add the cost of our freighting and all that to just the Ghana mission will be $30,000. We've exceeded that. Go get us. Go get us. We have to set a goal. If you don't set a goal, for example, for your giving, you will never, you just feel that, you know, I gave 10 pounds last week. That should be enough for the whole month. Set your goal. When you got your salary, you knew how much it was. Therefore, your, your tithe has a figure. But when it comes to your mission, say to yourself, I want to commit this much to mission work. You have to. You have to. If you don't set goals, you don't achieve nothing. Number six they were prepared to break on fruitful traditions and protocols. If we're going to be the missionaries that God wants us to be, we have to break some traditions. Break some protocols. I told our team in Lagos, I said, all I need is for the ballet to just give his approval for what we're about to do in the community. All I need is they say he's giving his approval. Anything we want to do, anything we want to say, you know what? I need it in writing. They say he's in a, I say where I come from. It's important. And I am bringing the mindset of where I've come from, where things get done right, to that place. So the man had to they say, draft a letter. Let him print it on his own letter if he doesn't have the secretary. Point I'm making is that because we need to break some traditions that don't work, some protocols that don't work. Do you understand that? That's the only way to enforce the government of God over an area. Now, when we go this week, we're going to sit down with both traditional worshippers, Muslim, whatever, Christians, and non-Christians, and whoever. And guess what? We will have to lead them and speak the words of Christ over the community. If you're going to do stuff, and when we go to Ghana, I love that. When we go to the palaces of the king, they all sit down there. You see them with all their traditional wear and everybody. We know all of them are not holding the Bible under their garments. We know we're not fooled. When they come around and serve us things, and they ask us to, you know, yeah, we have to take a cola nut or whatever they brought around to us. We pick it. Sanctify it in the name of Jesus. Because we know what we are bringing is bigger than their colonel that they are serving us. Are you getting my point now? We understand that concept. This is exactly what Paul said. He said the God, the unknown God that you guys are serving is the God that brought to you. Because if we don't show that we value them, 
How can they open their heart to what we are brought to them? So we have to be prepared to break traditions that are unprofitable. Some unprofitable protocols. If you're going to be the missionary that God has called you to be. Number seven. They were ready to pay a price for their godly action. Ready to pay a price. Sometimes in paying the price, you might have to, you know, have some cuts in your hand. They were ready to pay a price. Some of the price they would pay could have been, maybe somebody would rebuke them. What are you doing over there? Remember the time that Jesus Christ has them to go to a city ahead of you and you see a cult tied where two roads meet. He said that when you get there, if somebody asks you, why are you untying that thing? Tell them the Lord has need of it. Sometimes carrying their sick friend onto a flat roof. Somebody can rebuke them. Hey, what are you guys doing over there? Look at them, hooligans. They will call you names. They will call you names for bringing the gospel. He said, but your master, he was called worse names. If you have to call me names for doing the work of God, great. We feel safe inside the church, but we don't want to be called names outside the church. To do the lost work, we must understand this what it means. The forgotten stretcher bearers, we don't know all this about them, but it's true. They worked as a team without one trying to outshine the other. They worked as a team, the four of them, in bringing their sick friend to Jesus. They worked as a team. This is so beautiful. When we go on mission work, every time we hit the streets, and this is what we've got to do in church on week to week as well. We have to work as a team. Amen. We don't know which one of them is a leader. They work as a team. Whenever we go out, particularly on our trips to, to Ghana, every Steve is so happy. He said, Wally, you are a spokesperson. We work as a team. Everybody knows what we are supposed to do. It's not a case of, oh, I am the senior here. It's only Pastor Matthew that we don't allow him to, to hide. In fact, he can't hide his face. People say, I know this face. They don't know where they know his face. They just say, I know this face. So he can't hide. The rest of us, we are fine. The truth of the matter is, friends, in us beating the challenge of the end time, we have to work as a team. And I'm not talking only about one church. The body of Christ. We need to have this mindset. We are all stretcher bearers. The soul I minister to on this street can end up in the other church. Do you understand that? I need to understand that mindset. We can't say, oh, unless they come to this church, we cannot minister to them on that street. We have to have the kingdom mind. The folks that we are spending all this money for, hundreds of thousands of dollars for in Ghana, we don't know which church they will go to. We, none of us have churches over there. But Christ has his church. They did not divert their Jesus Christ's attention to themselves. I want to think about this. They've gone so much, they've done so much work, <laughs> broken through the roof and dropped their friend. 
if that was okay, who can I mention? If that was okay, if that was Pastor Caroline and uh, Pastor Ronke particularly, particularly, they say, "Hi, Jesus." It's only us over here. <laughs> but if that was me and Minister Sam, we'll just nicely drop our cool guy and we'll just step back. We don't like to, you know, we like to throw light on ourselves. <laughs> no, seriously thinking, they brought this guy and dropped him in front of Jesus. And he said nothing. The whole story was about what they did. And they said nothing. And Jesus Christ saw their faith. The reason why many people don't do nothing in church is because they only want to do the ones that will be seen. They want to do the one where everybody will say, you know, is that brother? You know, is that sister? Every time, either you, you walk in the car park and I was watching the, the traffic uh, guys this morning in the rain, parking the cars. And most of us don't even know their names. What am I trying to say is the cost of bringing the gospel to you and to me is not cheap. So my question really is, what are you giving back to that cost? To keep that process going for someone else that is a sick man somewhere that your money needs to carry to Jesus. So let me round it up by a scripture. This is in Matthew 25 from verse 31. The last thing about this man is they brought fulfillment and encouragement to the ministry of Jesus Christ. They brought fulfillment. That was exactly what was missing in the ministry of Elijah. That's why he wanted to commit suicide. In Matthew 25, can I have the scriptures quickly? Matthew 25 from verse 31. He said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him. And let me say this to you, make no mistake, he's coming. <laughs> then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. Remember what we said about that other foods. All the nations, including the ones you call the Muslim nations. Gathered before him and he will separate them one from another. He's not separating their country. He's not saying, here is Ghana, here is UK. No, no, no. He's separating individuals. So you see, none of us will be saved by the church we go to. You can call yourself the first born again of the century of, of Africa. You can call yourself uh, redeemed. You can call yourself super redeemed, abundant redeemed. All rubbish. When it comes to standing before the Father, it will be what did you bring to the table. I know today, you know, mission services is not a shouting service. I know. But this is what he's saying. He said, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. Go on. And he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those who are on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. When was this thing prepared, friends? From the foundation of the world. 
So everything that you and I think, oh, we want, we want, has been prepared for us. For I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. Our prison ministry goes every week before COVID. I'm trusting God that they will open the gate now that COVID is over. People that they are ministering to, most of us have never met them. We will never meet them. But yet, your prayers and your seed is meeting them every week. Then the righteous will answer and say, but Lord, when did we see you hungry and fed you? Or fasting and gave you drink? When did we see you a stranger and we took you in naked and we clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and you come to you? The king will answer and say to them, surely I say to you, in as much as you did this to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. I have two elderly neighbors. They committed themselves to giving their best to our mission work. The wife used to work in one of the best uh, outlets in the city. And so over the years with all that discount, she said she was so greedy with clothes. She took clothes that she would never wear in her life. So their loft is full of clothes. And she continually brings them down. New clothes with labels. Every time. Every time. John, are you guys going on that mission again? I said, yes. I'll just see three bags. Now she has passed that culture now to her own children. So those ones are bringing children clothes that they are not wearing. They are not Christians. But somebody somewhere, he's been blessed by them. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I want to understand this, friends. Whatever you are doing, you are doing it unto the Lord. You are writing a letter to the future. That's what we're doing. I've gone round and round and round to tell us today that the forgotten stretcher bearers may be forgotten by you, but they're not forgotten by God. Certainly their labor is not forgotten. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We do hope you have been blessed. Our special thanks go to all our partners who give generously to support our ministry. You are welcome to be one of us. Like someone to talk to you on any of the issues raised in today's message, please do call us on plus 44 208-597-3110 or you visit our website on www.hccenter.org.uk. May the peace of the Lord guard you and keep you till we meet again.